Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 268 of Dogcast Radio. Our online home is dogcastradio.com where you can find our blog, book reviews and more including the show notes for each podcast, which feature photos of all the lovely people we talk to, and often photos of their lovely dogs too. Later on, we'll be hearing from dog-inspired author Sue Kitto. In fact, as soon as she came on the page, she just took over. She was <laughs> extraordinary, because she has, she has got a very strong personality, but she was just really funny. First, I'm talking to Andrew Churley and Gordon Templeton of Optimus Gear about dog car safety and their crash-tested dog car harness. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. (laughs) And we're going to talk about a really important issue, which so many of us overlook. And you don't, it's not one maybe that occurs to you until it's brought to your attention. So I think this is a really, really important subject to talk about. Let's start with what we like to start with on Dogcast, the dogs. <laughs> so let's start with your dog, Gordon, um, Nala. So tell me about her. And and she's your inspiration, really, isn't she? Yeah, she is the uh, the inspiration for the whole company, right from its inception. Um, so she's my first dog. I got her when I was 25 years old. Uh, I happened to be allergic to dogs prior to that, so go figure. <laughs> and then uh, I grew out of it. And yeah. I... Uh, I, I love taking her everywhere, everywhere I can. So we were traveling in the car one day and uh, I had to slam on the brakes and she went uh, sliding forward and hit the dash. And uh, luckily she wasn't hurt. Um, But that's, I mean, that's when the aha moment kicked in and I went, you know, this is, this is not a great idea. This is not a safe way to travel with, you know, my little furry friend that I love. Yeah. And uh, I started looking for products that would, uh, keep her safe in the car and essentially my my search came up empty um, I'm a mechanical engineer by trade and I thought well if no one's doing it and I'm searching high and low and I can't find anything that that works and suits my lifestyle to be able to use in the car and out of the car then um, why don't I try and make something yeah uh, absolutely love it exactly and then that uh that brought me on this huge journey of um you know initially designing everything around nala and her being the essentially the product prototype for everything that that we've made yeah um, and you know uh myself and her being the initial product testers as well for doing things in the car out of the car and making something that's useful for us and uh and then taking that initial idea concept and then scaling it for all dogs small and yeah. big, right oh brilliant well I mean I'm glad Nala was okay um but you know in a way I'm glad that happened because then that gave you the inspiration the food for thought that that set this all in in, uh, in motion because you know th- I find this really really I get quite angry at times because you you're sold car harnesses you know as car harnesses and you think oh gosh right okay this says car harness on it on the on online or on in the shop where you are and you right this is car harness if i put this on my dog they will be safe i've done my job you know tick Mm -hmm. done that but it's not that's not actually the case is it we get sold things as car harnesses that what are they you know yeah i i mean a lot of the things that are out there right now are effectively distracted driving tethers i'll call them right but 
they have plastic hardware or, you know, very, uh, I'll say jewelry grade um, metal components for tethering, where in reality, uh, in the event of any sort of crash or collision or any, any load, uh, they're going to fail, right? Yes. Um, Is what that comes down to. So ours have, have significantly, uh, I mean, they're all, we make all the components are all uh, high strength aluminum, you know, aircraft grade uh, components uh, (laughs) that have been tested, you know, statically and dynamically and, and uh, you know, we're confident in their results and in terms of what they can handle. Yeah. Yeah. This it's brilliant because yours is a crash tested harness, isn't it? And what does that actually mean when we, you know, if we're looking for a crash tested, and believe me, I've looked and you come up fairly empty. <laughs> it's quite difficult to find, you know, a properly crash tested harness. So what does it actually mean if it's crash tested? So crash testing would be, uh, there are a few facilities that offer uh, essentially crash dummy dogs, um, similar to what you'd find for, you know, human crash testing. And uh they are, uh, we, we outfit them with our harnesses and they go through the same tests, the same dynamic test that a child seat would, uh, in yeah. terms of uh, how much, how, how fast the, uh, the test skid is accelerated, right? And how much yeah. force is, is induced on it. And essentially the test shows that, um, that the harness that you've put on them, uh, is able to withstand and has the structural integrity to res- withstand a crash of, uh, in, in, in our case, it'd be 50 kilometers an hour is the same standard that's used for child seats, right? So yeah. it's 50 yeah. kilometers an hour and you're hitting, you're, you're stopping instantly. So you're hitting a yeah. ball or a semi truck or that's, that's essentially what it's trying to portray. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's quite, I mean, it's quite horrendous. We'll try and find some links, but they, they accelerate it down a track, don't they? Straight into a brick wall or a stop wall or whatever. And I mean, some of those videos, you know, this is quite shocking, but some of those videos, the dummy dogs are beheaded, aren't they? I mean, it really brings it home to you. This is an important subject. Absolutely. I mean, you're looking at that, that, you know, your, your, your pet can get seriously injured in the events of a crash. Um, but not only that, it is, it's, it's you, it's everyone else in the vehicle. It's your kids, right? I have two daughters as well now. So it's, it's become even more paramount that, you know, the dog that I'm putting behind them, um, does stay in place that Nala stays in place and is safe so that, you know, she, she doesn't end up hitting my, my wife, myself or our two children. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's so many considerations cause I see people a lot with the dog on their lap, not, not, um, with, with no harness on at all. And that just worries me so much because in, in the event of a crash, that dog could go straight through the, the windscreen, couldn't mm-hmm. they? And out and then run off, get run over, whatever, uh, uh, cause more accidents. It's, it, it's, it is, you know, it has a, a lot of scope for, for a disaster, doesn't it? We've gotten to talk to a lot of people and, and that's a big problem of it with dogs being uh, thrown out of vehicles and running in. There was a gentleman I spoke to in an event we were doing and he was saying with uh, one of his friend's dogs that they got ejected from the car and did uh, run into the woods and they couldn't find them. Like we live in a very heavy forest, heavy plains area yeah. and they were not injured enough. And that's it's a sad uh, case of it. And it's it's something that, you know, can be avoided. Yeah. And if I can double back actually to uh, you asked a good question of. <laughs> kind of 
how to how to assess them and what crash testing yeah. is. And uh, obviously, as you can imagine, Gordon and I, we've spent a lot of time talking about crash tested harnesses. <laughs> and one thing yes. that he kind of said early on that I that stuck with me is if you're holding something and you're questioning it, you're probably right. Um, right. Plastic components and things that, you know, just trying to choose the right harness, uh, albeit right. Obviously, we have ours and when you hold it, there's metal that we're using of, of high quality. But that's such a key of if you think, is this going to withstand pressure? Um, yeah. Just just trust your gut a little bit, because um, it is a matter of of huge importance if uh, if you're yeah. are inevitably uh, or, or if you end up in a crash that hopefully doesn't happen. But you want to be prepared to the best of your ability. Yeah, yeah. And we're very, very good as humans at going, oh, that's not going to happen. That's not going to be a problem for me. I'm a good driver. It's fine. I only go short distance. You know, all those excuses that we fob ourselves off with without even thinking about it. But it happens, doesn't it? It does happen. And we need to be prepared. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know about, I, I've been in two car accidents and both times were just, one time was in the winter. I just slid basically forever on ice. And the yeah. other, um, I just had someone stop for a goose in front of me. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, not very much you can do in a lot of situations. Uh, and luckily yeah. I was alone in the car and, and buckled up both times. I didn't have, uh, anyone to get hurt with me, but throughout the, right, these things just come out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were in a, a horrible, in, in my, my lovely little red, I won't say the name of the car, but lovely little red car. And, um, we were going across some um, traffic lights. And they were on green. I was doing the right thing. I didn't even think, oh, someone might swerve around these lights. By the time I realized they were coming around, they were in a big, I won't, again, I won't say the name. I won't blame any, any makes of car, but they, they just hit us. And, and it threw my, my daughter Jenny was in the car. Well, and my mum was with us as well. And it threw Jenny's knee against the, the, like the column at the front. And she still has problems with that. And had we had, well had we had a dog in the car with us it would have been uh that she would have been secured but you know had there been an unsecured dog in that car i don't like to think what would have happened it, the car was a write-off and and you know it was just in the middle of the day and we we're just coming back from shopping and you don't expect it and and bang and everything changes in in a heartbeat doesn't it and and it just it just brings it home to you it's really really important um and as you say it's really important you know whether you're on your own in the car or whether you've got other people you love in the car with you for their benefit, you know, and our kids don't make their own decisions about car safety. You know, we've got to make it for them. You've got to do this, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, it, it goes for essentially, you know, any unrestrained load, right? I mean, uh, people think it would be silly that if you put a, you know, you put a cinder block on the back seat uh, and started driving around with it, like, well, they go, well, that's not a very good idea because then if you stop quickly, this thing's going to go flying and it's a cinder block and it's going to hurt. Um, and the reality is your dog is the same thing, right? Yeah. It's just packaged differently. It's got claws and teeth though. Right. And, and I think <laughs> yes. you like it, you, you like it a lot more than a cinder block. So, um, you know, of, of course you want to protect it. Um, in, in the middle of a crash, the, the dog in effect in physics, you know, becomes a projectile, doesn't it? And it's just, it's bouncing around the car, injuring it themselves and us. And that's, we don't want that, do we? Absolutely not. And I mean, um, what I was going to say is, is uh, yeah. driving with an unrestrained load is, uh, you know, that, that's that's a law in countries right now. Um, yes. Yeah. Where and obviously we have rules, rules to protect ourselves against that because it's not a good idea. Right. And I yeah. think in a lot of ways that 
where it's easy to restrain a cinder block and say the boot of a car or, you know, in the truck box that doesn't yeah. apply for, you know, we, we haven't had good devices to actually properly restrain our dogs so that they're, that they're secure and that they're comfortable. Right. Yes. And, yeah. and I'm guessing in a lot of instances, this is where it's, it's been a gray area where, you know, people haven't been ticketed or haven't been, um, you, you can't really enforce the enforce the law well, even though it's very practical and it makes sense, because there aren't devices to uh, accomplish that task effectively and and properly, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And and that's where we're, we're really trying to fill that gap is to have something that's that's useful, that's comfortable, and that keeps them secure, right? So that yes. they have the freedom to. So in our harness, they have the freedom to basically sit up, lie down. And shift their bum around, right? So they can still do yeah. all the favorite things. They can relax. They're comfortable. They can stick their head out the window. They can do all the regular dog stuff um, yeah, and, and enjoy doing it, and not and not be anxious or have anxiety while they're while they're driving, right? So it's not yes. a system oh, yes. where they're so tethered to a vehicle that they're completely immobilized and you know panicked and anxious and uh, a completely um, unpleasant experience for them. Yeah, um, brilliant, brilliant. Right? So One of the things that. I love about your harness is the Defender harness, isn't it? That it works in the car and you can just take them out of the car, pop a lead on and off you go. And it, I, I, it's just brilliant. Apparently you can get into an aircraft with them if it's aircraft quality. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just a joke. Don't try and get on the yeah. your dog and say, no, I've got the Defender harness. I, I, they said it. <laughs> but it is, it's really versatile, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that, that. I mean that's where Nala and I and and my family has been the initial prototype for for all these things. Is that I would, uh, you know, we'd be drawing it, and then obviously the initial use was in the car, and we kind of got that figured out, and then went okay. Well, I I don't really want to have a single use car harness. I want to be able to jump out with it and, and and take my dog for a walk, and 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 not have to be switching gear and switching kits all the time, right? Yeah. Um, and the reality is, in terms of uh, in terms of actual adoption to kind of normalize dog harnesses and, and safely restraining them, um, you need to have something that's, that's multi-use, that's easy. Um, yeah. you know, lots of single purpose things just don't, they don't get used, right? Um, yeah. because it's too cumbersome and it's too much. It's, it's, you know, it's too tedious and you know, you're holding too much stuff that people don't want to do it. Right. Yeah. And I don't blame yeah. them. Uh, I get oh, yeah. it. Right? I mean, you just got to make it easy. <laughs> you got to make it easy. Right. So the, the whole goal was that you can have one product. You put them on when you leave your house. They can go into your car. You can get out of your car. You can go to the park. You can go for a run. You can do whatever you want, you know, um, yeah. and then hop back in and go home and you can do it safely and quickly. Right. I mean, we're able to hop in and out of our vehicles with with the Defender harness in you know, less than 10 seconds is not is yeah. easily achievable. Right. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. So. Now, can you can you tell me how it actually um, attaches and how it actually sort of keeps the dog safe? How it allows that movement? All of the sizes use a uh, a two tether system essentially to mm-hmm. strain the dogs. The t- the uh, an upper tether and a lower tether. The lower tether will look different depending on the size of the dog, just mm-hmm. because um, you know the the heavier dog gets, they require different essentially restraint. Um, because they're they're heavier and they generate more force if you are in an accident. Yeah. Um, so the lower tether is fixed either on the child seat anchors for the larger dogs uh, mm-hmm. and clip into the back of the harness, or for the smaller dogs, they clip into the seatbelt receiver uh, mm-hmm. and then the the back of the harness as well. 
so that kind of pins their butt, which essentially limits their their mobility to uh, shifting left and right. Um, and then uh, there's a second upper tether that connects also to basically between the shoulder blades on, yeah. the, on the harness and and to the seatbelt. So it uses our buckle system and a carabiner to wrap around the seatbelt. And this essentially is what allows them to sit up and lie down, right? So their butt is yeah. pinned, but the shoulders can move, right? Yeah. And that, uh, and that's what allows them to be comfortable mm-hmm. and, and shift around. So it ties into your exist, your, uh, your vehicle's existing safety systems, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it will work for any size of dog. Well, so we've got, uh, small, medium, large right now. Uh, we're just releasing our extra large and then uh, we have an extra small on the way. Excellent. Excellent. Because that's another thing we have. I mean, I had a Labrador and I, he, he sort of was fairly standard, if you like. Things would fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dog we have now is a German Spitzkind, like a little um, a Pomeranian type right. <laughs> fluffy fluffy dog. And she is she's very small for a German Spitzkind. And particularly when we first had her. Finding things that were small enough was a nightmare. So that's great to hear extra small is coming because, you know, dogs come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we have extra smalls on the way, which will uh, also be able to be used for cats. Yes. Uh, just to not, <laughs> wow. not to, to exclude our cat friends. Um, He's talking about me. I love yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And it, it, it's good that you mentioned the different shapes and sizes because we have kind of standard sizes available on our website yeah. um, that we that we build the harnesses to. Uh, but we realize that, you know, as you mentioned, they're in all shapes and sizes, right? So some dogs are uh, you know, they may, they may be, they may have a larger chest, but a smaller weight or whatever. May, they may not perfectly fit into our, uh, our size categories, but yeah. because, um, we make them like these are all, uh, designed, sourced and manufactured in Canada. Uh, yeah. we have the ability to customize whatever you need. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if people call us, we, we can, we can make something for you that's, you know, not, um on the website right we can customize strap lengths if you need it or uh you know or shorten them or whatever whatever it may be or maybe you just need uh a leash that's you know half the length of, of our normal one uh you know those sorts of things are not a problem for us because we we do make it excellent yeah i love that. the fact that you make all of it you can really reassure us that this is a good safe product can't you i love that that's that's so brilliant i I think we've talked about the law but the law does sort of say you, your dog should be um restricted in the car um but also like it can uh negate void your insurance if you don't have a have the dog secured properly can't it that depends a lot based on where you are getting into the yeah, yeah. side of things it, it can be tricky there are places that we've seen that mm. it, it yeah. is determinant on. I know for you guys in the UK, like you have rule 57 that came in yeah. uh, and I'm not sure how much change that's, that's had for you in your day to day. There's many yeah. States that have a lot of um, that have laws in already. And like Gordon had mentioned, just unrestrained loads uh, in general uh, is, is illegal. <laughs> you can't yeah. Yeah. So following that, guideline it is breaking the law anywhere with the unrestrained loads um yeah uh, side of things but yeah for you guys with the rule 57 when that came in that was a bigger 
uh, one internationally in terms of getting, you know, a thousand pound fine or uh, it's up to nine points off the license uh, or five thousand pounds if you have to go to court and things like that. Like that's it's a substantial uh, thing that I think is important in terms of protecting and bringing awareness to uh, what is the more important thing of keeping you and your family and your dog safe. Yeah. Uh, at the end yeah. of the day, that's what it comes down to. And and not using any system is uh, just, it's dangerous. Yes. <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's, as I say, a lot, a lot of scope for so many things to go wrong. And of course, you know, I, I think we talked about this before that, you know, the, if your dog needs a lot of, I mean, heaven forbid, but if your dog is injured and needs a lot of veterinary care afterwards, that's a whole other story then, isn't it? In terms of um, expense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, and it's an expense that uh, it kind of goes unquestioned. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. You get into the whole uh, preemptive uh, care versus the reactive care, and yeah. uh, once you're at the vet, uh, I know for myself, I mentioned I have cats there, and uh, we had one get hurt, and I was yeah. driving to the vet. It was uh, not ideal, and I called my wife, and um, I just said, I was like, I don't think I have a number. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like yes. no I don't think we do like she's this beautiful little kitten who had a little accident and we had to so we're going in and and it was one of those of that's just how it is so yeah. um and now we we've prevented it from ever happening again yeah. um yeah and it's oh, it's wow, a matter really? of that willingness to spend once something does happen uh and yeah. that's where it's so important to just get ahead of the problem and and protect your loved ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, they're family members, aren't they? Yeah. And, and, and one thing that we have um, is, uh, you know, our, our, our goal has expanded obviously from just my family to now everyone else's right. Um, and trying to, trying to help everyone else. And that's one of the main missions of the goals is for everyone's health and safety. Um, so we're, we're, if you if you do have one of our, our harnesses and you are in an accident, I mean, it is similar to a child seat in terms of once it has been in a collision, the product is is cannot be used again. Right. Because you can have essentially uh, un, like damage that's not visible yeah. um, that can that can compromise it because it has been stressed. But what we do to try and, uh, you know, lessen the burden on people is if that's the case, if you have been in an accident, you have been wearing a product. and it's, um, we will replace it for you free of charge. Um, You know, you have to do some things like prove that you're actually in an accident. You just want a second one, but, (laughs) but um, yeah, we, we, we will take, take your old one back and uh, send you a new one. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Yeah. To try and, you know, try and push that mission forward. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I, I think I love things that are inspired by people's own experience. And they come from that place of of love and wanting to make life better, as you say, for your dog, your family, and then share that with the world. It, I, you know, I I really do love it. It's it's such a good product. Gordon, as an engineer, you understand the forces at work in a in a car crash. So tell us what's actually going on. Well, uh, essentially, what happens is, um, and this is what the crash tests simulate in an extreme condition uh, is you've got a vehicle traveling at, in this case, we'll use 50 kilometers an hour or 30 miles per hour. And um, in a, in a worst case scenario, uh, it comes to a, uh, essentially a dead stop where all, all the force and the momentum that's in the crash 
becomes transferred uh, not to the, well, it goes through the vehicle, but the vehicle has stopped. So then essentially anyone who's in it is still traveling at 50 kilometers or 30 miles an hour and has to decelerate um, to zero, right? For the, yeah. for, for the event to be uh, complete. And uh, so in that scenario, using, using those, those conditions, um, a 75 pound dog. So no, Nala, my chocolate lab is 75 pounds in a situation like that. She is, um, going to exert 2000 pounds on, um, essentially whatever she ends up hitting if she's unrestrained. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, she will take the brunt of that force because she has to stop. So whatever she hits will, uh, also induce 2000 pounds on her. Um, or anyone else in the vehicle, right? So in our, uh, essentially the harness is what, what's that, what that is doing is it allows her to decelerate safely, um, yes. and not experience an impact, right? So all that load then gets transferred to your vehicle safety systems. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that is a huge, I hadn't thought about it like that. That is a huge amount of pressure for the harness that you can see why if it's not, up to the job and if it's not crash tested, you can see why it just doesn't work, can't you, at that point? Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you risk injury to, to everyone else in the vehicle as well. You know, I mean, um, yeah. getting, getting hit with a 2000 pound hammer would not feel good. Right. No, I mean, no. <laughs> um, and you can get seriously injured. Right. Yeah. Uh, or worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the, 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 um, crash I was talking about where, Jenny got injured um was like I think about 30 30 miles an hour it wasn't like I wasn't like speeding anything. it was it's horrendous how these little journeys we do and we take them for granted and we jump in a car and we don't really think about the danger involved and we have to like you know it's part mm-hmm. of life but it's there isn't it it's real oh yeah um it's it's very real it's one of these yes. uh um it's also why we wanted to promote the usability of it. And yeah. so many accidents happen within uh, so close to your home. Yes. And so many, th- so many people think, Oh, well, we're just going to go to the corner store and uh, pick up the milk or whatever it is. And uh, hop in there, buddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas it's so important to always have something that's available and easy to use and consistent because uh, that's where you don't throw on a seatbelt or whatever it is and you pull out of your back lane or something's yeah. coming really fast. It's, it's just, it can happen anywhere. And uh, it's so important to have the usability. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, the people who travel with dogs, it's, it's so many, right? Like yeah. uh, there was a study done uh, by AAA and it's 54.6 uh, is what they had of people drive with their dog more than six times. And that was their wow. upper threshold per month. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah of in the car uh, and you know it's it, it's a hard number to get down because no one's really specifically studying it but again the fda did a study where um tens of thousands of dogs are said to be getting into accidents and that's um in the in the united states or around the world it's much 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 higher yeah, and you know yeah. people are pushing to get better statistics uh on these things but it's a sadly common common enough occurrence that uh it's just important to ensure the safety yeah yeah absolutely when we're introducing a harness it's all very well we know all the science behind it like it's really good for you to wear this harness it's going to be a good thing for you 
How do we actually introduce it so that the dog thinks it's a good thing? <laughs> so I've been doing a ton of work with uh, our one of our local shelters there, uh, but they've been fantastic to work with. And I take dogs out all the time. And it's so funny. Some of them take to it right away. Mm-hmm. I've had multiple dogs where quite literally the training was zero. Um, and they jumped in and I, you know, what we do recommend doing is holding the harness, um, on the back panel there. So you can maintain control and have them sit, uh, in the back seat, put the lower anchor on and then putting the upper anchor, upper tether, um, to the top and, and having them, um, be in that way. And if it goes nice and easy for your dog, that's awesome. You, uh, you won. <laughs> I have also had dogs who, you know, they're used to bolting around the car. These are dogs who have never been in restraints. They have many different people taking them out. Yeah. Uh, so what I've kind of been implementing with these bit harder of cases is I use the upper tether because it allows them to have a little bit extra movement in the early stages. But yeah. now they're not able to jump into the front seat. They're not able to roam the back super freely. And I'm able to show them after a short drive uh, or even for the you know more anxious ones, just even getting in the car and showing them it's okay. We're going to get you. You can unclip them, give them their rewards. Right. Yeah. And it's all just that positive when they're doing and, and being, uh, learning the new behavior appropriately. Yeah. It's all yeah. about the rewards, right? No, no anger. <laughs> no, nothing of that. It's yes. just as, as they learn, it's like training any new behavior. It takes some time and patience. But, uh, after taking dogs out for even just the afternoon, uh, I have yet to not have a dog, uh, using the system in its full capacity in that same day. Now, I'm sure it's going to come where I do have the dog. That's like, no, Andrew, I am not going to do this for you. (laughs) You'll get a fussy Uh, one eventually. (laughs) And then I'm going to come back the next day and we're going to keep working on it and uh, keep learning together and keep growing. But it's just all about that positive reinforcement and uh, not being afraid to give them that little bit of extra love and freedom at just the upper tether to start and let them go at their own pace. And it's, it's the long game. Uh, yes. If it takes you three weeks to train, but you get a lifetime of safety, uh, that's the ultimate goal. And it's, it's all about that relationship you have with your dog and the training that they've, uh, that they've received. But it's, it hasn't been, uh, painstaking <laughs> to, to get these guys using it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that you not only make great harnesses, you're great at dog training. Yay. <laughs> what about positive? <laughs> we, we, uh, we love them. Like we're yeah. just, I, I'm obsessed with dogs. I had one and I'm, I'm actually just about to have a baby. And my wife told me, uh, it's, she's going to be very mad if I come home with one of these dogs. And every week I'm like, so this one's really great. Are you yeah. sure? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, listen to your wife. That, I mean, we're talking about danger here. <laughs> so yeah. listen to your wife. That's the biggest danger. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. It's, uh, I, I'm doing a good job, but it gets harder and harder every week. So yeah, yeah. we'll see new babies coming soon. So I'll, uh... <laughs> well, you have to get the baby trained first before you get the dog. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So, I mean, we've established it's a, it's a really good idea to, to have this harness on the dog in the car, keep the dog safe for the dog's sake, for the passenger's sake. So can, I'm in the UK, obviously. Can I buy the harness? Uh, yeah, you can buy, um, you can buy all of the products, uh, that we offer. So the harnesses and all the other attachments, uh, yeah. on our website. Um, 
the only thing that we'll do is we will ship anywhere around the world. Um, it'll just, we'll, we'll have to just get the appropriate shipping, um, goes for wherever you are on the planet. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, feel, feel free to order all your information will come through and then we'll, uh, any international customers other than Canada and the U S so anywhere else in the world, we'll just, uh, provide the shipping information. Smashing. I'll interject as well in, in terms of, uh, we do with those customizations and stuff, the numbers and emails and everything, they do come direct to us. So if you do, let's say your dog uh, enjoys a couple extra hot dogs, uh, it's got a bit of a wider waist and narrower neck, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to us. And uh, we're always happy to uh, help with the measurements and make sure that we're not having to send things back and forth and, and it's going to fit your dog appropriately. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that information's on the site as yeah. well. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So you mentioned other sort of attachments that you, we can get. So tell me about those. Yeah, well, we- I mean, this comes down to not having uh, a single use product, right? Yeah. Um, so we have, uh, you know, we offer regular leashes, collars. We also offer hands-free running, uh, running or uh, like active belts. So you can, um, you know, walk your dog hands-free. Uh, lots of times I'm holding two kids and have the dog around my waist, right? So it was, a, it, again, it was one of those things where it was a necessity for me where I, I yeah. need something. So I'm going to try and make something. Um, we have additional, um, additional tethers that you can actually hook onto any of our leashes. So if you're walking multiple dogs, uh, you can essentially have one handle or one belt and have multiple dogs attached to you. Um, I exclusively, I have a, I have an optimist, I have a belt that we have that's, that attaches to one of our leashes. So I almost exclusively, I have my belt on at all times. Every time I'm walking a dog and as I'm getting the dogs in and out, I clip it to the dog. Yeah. So they're now attached to the lower tether and my belt. And there's no, right? When I have zoomers, you just want to take yeah. off <laughs> with the zoomies. Yeah. They were good. We have full control. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's called our leash link, uh, belt. And I, I use, or, um, leash link, uh, leash there. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's fantastic. I, I use it ex- almost exclusively. Yeah. yeah. We also have a tolling package. So for people who like, um, uh, say some winter sports like we're or rollerblading or skidoring or whatever you kind of want. We have an attachment that hooks onto the harness, uh, to essentially balance the load between their chest and neck so you can, they can get a proper pull. Yeah. Um, you can either do any of those outdoor sports or, um, uh, we, we, we I've used it for uh, attaching it to, uh, one of my children in a wagon or a sled. So the dog is pulling the sled. Yeah. Um, but because we have multiple attachment points in the harness, I'm able to actually still hold on to, uh, Nala as well. So I've got control of her while she's pulling the sled. So, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, which is all good. So yeah, we've got, we got lots of stuff to try and have a, uh, for an active lifestyle. So. Yeah. And be as useful as possible. It's brilliant. Andrew, I love that point about the security because particularly I'm thinking rescues particularly, but if you have a dog that's sort of prone to bolt, as you say, but rescues, you know, where people pick up a dog and take them you know, across the country. Um, yep. And I, I guess that's more more relevant for America, but it happens in, in Britain too. And often you see these horrible, awful, heartbreaking posts about they were transporting a rescue dog. They weren't familiar with them. And it's usually at, you know, service stations on the motorway. And the dogs got spooked and run. That yeah. would, that would, that wouldn't be a possibility then because you're attaching the dog before you unattach it. And that, that's, that would be so useful. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's always, you can always have the two points of attachment. 
So yeah. it's it's just massive for when dogs are trying to, or, or just any dog that uh, is a runner or excited at the park and yeah. uh, even take going to any park, whether it's off-leash, on-leash, uh, if your dog is excited at an area and tends to bolt away and you don't have that full control, uh, you are able to, like I say, unclip that top one, get yourself in two points of contact. And then when you're ready <laughs> and the dog is ready, um, I try and uh, reward a sit behavior, get them yes. nice and calm. Once they have that, right, give them their treat, get them out of the car and then try and have them sit with me uh another sit behavior and then a reward that's a little bit next <laughs> tier but it's <laughs> it's always working to uh what we want in our daily activities and yes. threshold training right yes. it is a threshold yes. that we're crossing uh and i personally while training like to ensure that that threshold is being determined by me and that they're safe to come out of the car because there could be cars passing yeah uh, and if yeah absolutely coming, i feel confident yeah. that they're not going to run out and uh get hit in that way either so yeah Lots yeah. of positives to uh, gain, maintaining that control. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, ab- I do. I absolutely thoroughly believe that car manners, and that includes, you know, being being happy with the harness. Car manners are so important because you see it, don't you? People open the door, oh, the dog's gone. And you're just like, ah, what? first of all, why, why weren't they tethered, attached? Why did they not know I have to have permission to come out? You know, and, and <laughs> another, you see, something I get accused of is I, that I... Because I've read online, I go. And, <laughs> I've looked online at what people are saying, and sometimes people say, "Oh, you know, you 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 think you you a bit snobby about dog issues," but it's not that. I'm not going. Oh, you know, I do it right, or this is the right way to do it. All I'm thinking about is the dogs. You know, if it's for the dog's benefit, it's for the dog's benefit to have the harness on to know they don't jump out of the car until they're allowed, because then you you avoid them getting into danger. And that's how I come at every situation you know how what's the best for the dog here not me what's the best for the dog and like you you are you seem the same you you're doing this for the love of the dogs aren't you absolutely it's all about them but i'm gonna double back and ignore the product for a second because i'm obsessed with your a i don't want to say the words a i i listened to your last oh my goodness are they wonderful they are if, okay. If anyone hasn't listened to those ones, <laughs> pause. Go and they the last one you just put out there when you told me to take my blood pressure medication. I almost did, and then I should have, because boy was that a good story. So bless you for those ones, because they are just lovely. <laughs> oh, thank you. That is, that is so funny because Jenny keeps sending me those. Guys, look at this. This is you, know, and it's so difficult to find one actually. Where you, well, some of them you actually kind of go. You definitely are. Yes, you are. <laughs> In this, you know, you're the baddie. But a lot of them, you like other people. Just take your breath away, and you go, "Oh my goodness, what on earth?" Are you yeah. Thinking? <laughs> yeah, other people. Give thank goodness for dogs because people will drive you mad. You know, That's, yeah, yeah, it's never their fault. <laughs> oh, thank you for that, Andrew. Thank you. Oh, bless Absolutely. you. We, I, we had fun. Well, we'll we'll do another one of those if you like. There, that. As yeah. you should, because I'll be I'll be right there. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, bless you. Oh, thank you. Okay. I've got one eye on the the clock. Um, So is there anything else that you wanted to say? Um, Yeah, I I guess I'd like to just reiterate that, you know, um, the whole inception of this started with with my family, um, but it has completely transformed into, um, you know, our main goal of being uh, safe, like, you know, 
saving lives of other dogs and other people's families. I mean, there'd be nothing better uh, and more satisfying for us than, than to have that be a story. Uh, you know, it's happened already and for it to continue to happen would be, is great. I mean, that's, that's what drives us. Um, you know, for the collective good of everyone in terms of, you know, public healthcare, reducing our own healthcare costs and just our collective society by, you know, redu- having, um, the severity of injuries and in vehicles go down as a result of that is also, you know, a, a wonderful, um, offshoot of, of the product. Um, and then for us is, you know, we've been able to also create jobs within, within our community. Um, and then, you know, be making products with, fair wages and uh good working conditions right yeah. so um to try and have all those things in in one package has been uh, it's been a journey and it's been uh extremely satisfying so yeah yeah oh so it's win 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 isn't it it's yeah. like, <laughs> that was the goal so, yes yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah oh lovely thank you ever so much it's, it's been i've learned so much and thank you very much people if people want to find out more about you where can they find that out online uh, at optimusgear.com smashing they can smashing. also find us on social media for uh, optimus gear co um and optimus gear uh facebook instagram uh twitter or i guess x, x. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll never get used to that <laughs> oh yeah threads as well uh but yeah it's the optimus gear co or optimus gear on on all of them there if you smashing. want to follow along with the journeys <laughs> smashing. we will pull that in the links and we'll tag you in our social media as well um Thank you. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, um, as well. well. <laughs> good, He's good. Fine. And uh, I mean, maybe we'll catch up, you know, in a year's time when you've got further developments. And I don't know, I don't know what those developments will be. What animal <laughs> will you? Yeah, we well, said you'd mentioned uh, we were talking before about those crates and stuff like yes. that. So I mean, once yeah. we, I mean, the more we, you know, can can build our cash flow, then the more money we'll have for that sort of development, right? So we can yeah, keep going. Excellent. So, yeah. Next next level products. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely, mm-hmm. we definitely will catch up because that's a whole other area. And there's so much to say about crates, uh, mm-hmm. car crates. So yeah. brilliant. So the best of luck. I love your your attitude and your approach. I love the fact you love dogcast. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, oh. it's been such a joy. You are so. We got off the phone last week and we just said we're like she is lovely. Like, yeah, you're, oh. you're awesome fantastic. Make it, make so, it really easy. So uh we'll tell you when when we end up in in uh your neck of the woods there, we're gonna take you for a pint. So brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. That'd be brilliant. We'll go somewhere dog friendly. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We look forward to it greatly. Thanks to Andrew and Gordon for all the information and for being fun too. The links they mentioned are on the Dogcast Radio site, dogcastradio.com. And if you've experienced a harness or crate or dog guard saving your dog from injury, I'd love to hear from you. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Having written myself and having been inspired by our dogs, I'm always interested to talk to other authors about their process and the role their dogs play in it. This morning, I'm talking to Sue Kitto. Hi, Sue. Hi, Judy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And, and uh, well, I'm not as good as you because it's raining here. It's not raining there in Cornwall where you are, is it? No, no. The sun's actually trying to break through, which is good. Smashing. I bet it was gorgeous last week. Glorious. It was. Um, I was I was at home last week and carless, um, which means um, it was my poor dog. Normally, I can sort of get out and walk her in the woods. 
but I couldn't get her out and walk in the woods because I didn't have any wheels. <laughs> but but I do live near somewhere I can just nip down the road and have a swim. So that was very nice. Um, but yes, it's not good for when it's really hot. It's not very good for dogs, is it? No. Oh, definitely not. No, no. And you see so many poor dogs being dragged around in the heat. You can think, oh, just, yeah. Just leave them at home. Let them have a day off. It doesn't do them any Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. So I, I actually was drawn to you by your, your book, The Rescue, um, your debut novel. We'll come back to that later. But you, you write contemporary women's fiction with an underlying theme, which can be overcoming grief, second chances, how to live with anorexia, dealing with a problem, rescue dog, which, you know, many of us uh, face in our, our life. So how do those uh, themes, how do you approach them in, in your work? Well, the rescue came about because, um, well, if I explain, Mole was my first dog. Yeah. And I acquired her because my husband was really depressed. Oh, and yeah. um, I couldn't think really what to do. I mean, he was, you know, really, really bad. And he had a young, he'd had a dog when he was much younger called Major. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe that might work because he was in business with his um, his brother. And um, they were both really fed up and they were both uh, in their 60s at the time. and it didn't have much money and it was all a bit sort of doom and gloom. Anyway, I thought, well, perhaps a dog might help when I was working from home, but we had an elderly cat. Um, and, uh, I knew that the cat wouldn't get on with an, a new arrival and Pitt was very against the idea anyway, but to cut a long story short, I, I managed to win him round and we went to yeah. see Mole and he just fell in love, which was, which was good. um, and, um, yeah, Mole was about five when he died, I think. Um, mm. But Mole really kept me going afterwards because, you know, you have to, well, you have to get out and walk a dog. And yes. also when you're walking a dog, you talk to people. Um, yeah. And I mean, I have, I have very good friends, which was good. But it, it's, you know, in those days when you really want a duvet day and you can't because you've got to get out and walk yeah. the dog it was actually very good. And um, Mole was a very self-sufficient character. She wasn't, she hated being cuddled. She hated being picked up. She wasn't at all affectionate. Sounds, yeah. She sounds awful, but actually we really loved her. Everyone really loved her. But she was a real terrier. You know, things had to be on her terms. And as she got older, she growled if you disturbed her in the night, <laughs> all that sort of thing. But she was a real – everyone just said what a character she was. Yeah, yeah. And oh, um, and uh, anyway, and she really helped me, um, as my friends did, when my husband died. And so a friend suggested years later, why don't you write about it from, from a dog's point of view? Yeah. And yeah. I thought she, and I thought, oh, she's nuts. And then <laughs> after a few days of thinking about it, I thought, actually, that's a really good idea because no one's done that. Um, and you know, we all lose people that we love. Yeah. And, and I, and I thought, well, I didn't want it to be too personal. Um, so I'll fictionalize it. So the beginning bit was true about when he died but after that it I just I made it up yeah um but you know dogs are, are just such such good companions aren't they mm, and yeah. you can't just wallow in self-pity too much you know I had to get out there and I, I was I did find working I was working as a journalist at the time and I found that really helpful yeah um and it was really interesting trying to write a book from a dog's point of view I bet yeah for, for adults because mm. obviously bereavement and and that sort of thing is is um they're more adult themes um and something that we all go through and uh, so it was quite interesting trying to think myself into 
you know, how do, what does happiness smell like? What does illness smell like? What does fear smell like? All yeah. this sort of thing, because, you know, as we know, a dog's principal sense is smell. Yeah. So it was a really interesting exercise from a writer's point of view. Yeah. So anyway, that was how the rescue came about. Yeah. Um, and I'd already written five walks books because I, I used to do it when I was working as a journalist. I did a lot of work for Cornwall Today magazine. Mm-hmm. And one of the, I used to do all sorts of interviews, but I also started doing their walks. And after several years, I'd written a, about 100 walks, I think. And I thought, well, shame to waste them all because you know that once they once they're in print in a magazine that that's just it isn't it yeah. so I thought it'd be really good if I could try and get them into a book which proved to be a lot more difficult than I thought um but I did eventually find a publisher in Wales and so the first book came up which was Discover Cornwall yeah and then we decided to do a series uh, called Walks in the Footsteps of and the first one was Cornish Writers yeah. um so there were 20 circular walks all to do with different Cornish writers yeah. or writers associated with Cornwall. And that went down really well. And so um, we did Paul Dark then we did Daphne du Maurier and then we did Rosamond Pilcher. Yeah. And I was halfway through writing Cornish artists when the pandemic hit. So obviously oh. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, um, I couldn't walk much and I couldn't interview anyone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. A little bit of a, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, oh. And in fact, I was sort of due for a due for a change anyway. Various things were sort of been happening business wise, and um, um, I did try and get the rescue printed um, or published traditionally. Mm. But I think it's that age old thing: publishers always say they want something different, but they don't really. They just want something the same. So, and because this is this book is different, um, I then met somebody who self-published and made a success of it and said, well, I'm very happy to share my contacts. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of went, and my mum died and left me a bit of money. And so it sort of went from there and it all suddenly fell into place. Yeah. And my editor said, well, you know, obviously I can do anything. Do you need a graphic designer to do your cover? Cause I can recommend somebody. Um, and it, and it just sort of went chung, chung, yeah. chung from there. Excellent. So that was, it was just really lucky because, there are a lot of people who are going to rip you off. Um, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> trying yes. to get yeah. published. Yes. Um, so I've got so I've sort of made my own team now, which is which is lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's that's super. Because you're right. I mean, I've had it myself. You send something off, and you get a. You can tell straight away because you get a response very very quickly, and then they start talking about. But you will have to give us money, and you ah no. No, I've never mean... had that. But yeah, but... I actually had that because I was so disappointed. I said something. Oh, well, that's yeah, that's fantasy publishers, aren't they? Yes, yeah. Um, and I was so excited they got back quickly because no, normally it's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and then you're not quite right for what we're doing at the moment. And, and yeah, I was so excited, and then it was like, "One, well, you will have to give us this amount of money." And I was like, "Oh, oh okay, no. it's oh, just no, a no. ripoff." <laughs> yeah, okay, it's just a ripoff. Yeah. But you see, one of my friends says, "You know, she was saying, well, do you not believe in your writing? Do you not believe in putting your money in your writing?'" And you think. That's not the point. That's, you know, it's... it's yeah, the ripoff. point is if, you, if you're going to self-publish, do it, you know, through yes. well-known yeah. people, who, but people who are going to do it properly and not rip you off. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, the, the biggest thing is is publicising it. So hopefully we're doing that right now. Um, yep. Yeah, because I actually love the device of writing through the dog's eyes. Um, and it does take some thinking about because... 
how do you describe a scent? You know, do you do you think of happiness as a nice round smell? Do you think of you know illness or depression or whatever as as a spiky smell? How, you know, it's quite. How how did you approach that bit? Well, I thought of um, sickness as hmm. a chemically smell because when you know when people are poorly, then they usually they're usually taking medication, aren't they? Yeah, and hospital has its own chemically sort of antiseptic smell. Right, um, yeah. So Suki would always smell of that when she came back from the hospital. Um, and, yeah, I just had to sort of imagine what, I mean, you know, that was sort of, um, that just made sense. The other yes. things, I just had to use my imagination and pick what I think would it would yeah. sound, smell like, which, I mean, I'm probably completely wrong, but, you know, it's possible. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Who Will we ever know? I mean, I think it's fascinating when you, the research putting, um, you know, looking into brain, in, looking into dogs' brains with MRIs is fascinating. Um, yeah. And seeing what emotions they do have or, or which bits of their brain light up, which would correlate to the bits of our brain that have certain emotions is just fascinating. Yeah. But I, I wonder whether we'll ever be able to understand about smells. and But, um, but they certainly tell yeah. a lot about us, don't they, with smells? Oh, certainly. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think you're right that obviously you're right that, you know, dogs are such a support when we're grieving. They're, I mean, they're great when we're when we're happy. Dogs are wonderful. But when you're sad and when you're sat there, you know, with tears dripping off your chin and that, you know, some people can be sort of taken aback by that. But your dog would just come straight up to you, you know, and, and, or, or even just be there with you, you know, if whatever their style is. And it's just yeah, comfort, isn't it? Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. And you don't have to explain yourself to a dog. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they don't judge you. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. And they can, as you say, they can smell if you're a bit down. So they're like, okay, fine. We'll then, I mean, my Labrador was very paws on, if you like. So he would just, if he couldn't bear anybody upset, he couldn't bear it. And he would just come and shove his head right in your lap and be like, what's the matter? What, you know, he, they've all got their own. Lenny. <laughs> she can, she can hear some clinking in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, right. So she thinks there's something for her. So that's Lainey, yeah. who's, who's your current dog. Yeah. She's, um, Lainey's tail is coming out later this year. Yeah. So, um, Mole in real life, Mole died in, uh, three years ago. Yeah. at the end of August oh. and and I was well you know I was bereft yes but yeah. a, a week after she died um my American friend Izzy met Lainey being walked in the woods yeah. and found out that she was up for adoption and so she rang me up and said I found you your next dog and um and I was very wary because I thought well I was very vulnerable and then I heard about Lainey was a red, Romanian rescue and she'd had several homes that hadn't worked out for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, and she was, you know, she'd had a lot of unpleasantness. And I thought, well, we're both very vulnerable. I wanted to make sure that she had the right, you know, I was the right person for her. And yeah. She was the right dog for me. Um, so I went for four or five walks with her and her foster carer, who it turned out I knew. Yeah. Um, and then after about the fifth one, um I said no I definitely knew we you know we'd we'd bonded and yeah. she just came home with me and just jumped on my lap which was lovely Aww, super super but oh, she's because she's she, she's lovely and she's yeah. very affectionate 
but because of her first home, she has um, she's bitten people. She's bitten me. She has to wear a muzzle when we're out. Yeah. Um, and she's got PTSD, which causes her to react like that. Wow. Um, so I've learned a huge amount about reactive dogs, dog training, um, muzzle training. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, all sorts of things. Um, and she didn't get on with, well, not that she didn't get on with, my partner's got a rescue dog, um, a border terrier. Yeah. And um, lady, I, I, we, well, we thought they didn't get on, but actually I've got a friend called Ruth who runs the Ruth, Ruth Pet Behaviour Services, yeah. and she's brilliant. She deals with so many reactive dogs. And she explained that it's, it wasn't anything personal. It's just that Lainey gets these sort of triggers when something goes in her brain, and she just knows she's got to sort of go... And she's got to get there first and fast. So it's, it was nothing to do with not liking Twig. It was just something that Twig might have done that provoked this trigger. Yeah. Aww. And so after that, we just sort of kept them as kept them far apart as possible. Yeah. And, um, you know, they get on a lot better now. I mean, I'm just still trying to make sure they don't get in each other's space. Yeah. Um, and um, but. Yeah, I mean, and dog psychology is very like human psychology, but, but I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet you do, don't you? have to, don't you, suddenly suddenly when your dog is having problems. But, I mean, yeah. that's interesting as well that, again, that dogs can suffer from PTSD. Yes, I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't. Yeah. But I, in Lainey's tale, I wanted, to, I wanted to write about PTSD because I don't accept, you know, obviously having um, encountered it through Lainey. Um, and I've had panic attacks in the past, so I know what yeah. that's like. Yeah, and that's yeah. horrible. Yeah. And, um, but I thought it'd be really interesting to compare a dog having PTSD yes. to an adult having PTSD, which is what happens in the book. And the, Lainey's tale is written from Mole's point of view. Yeah. But Lainey, um, because Lainey speaks with a Romanian accent, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I thought that might be a bit much to sort of read the whole thing. In yes, slightly pigeon English. <laughs> um, but in fact, as soon as she came on the page, she just took over. She was <laughs> extraordinary because she has she has got a very strong personality, but she was just really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but when she was explaining how she feels when she sort of reacts as she does, um, I thought that might help. Well, help people with PTSD, but also help people to understand if they don't have reactive dogs, why yes. dogs behave like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, because, you know, I think we've all had people who say, oh, don't worry, my dog's really friendly. And then, you know, my, my, if you've got a reactive dog, they don't know that. <laughs> They're thinking, <Yes>. get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, anyway, it was just a sort of, and it was really interesting to to um, think about. And also my, my editor said, um, she said, Lainey sounds as if she's speaking, um, she could be speaking in Russian. You need to look at the construction of, of, um, Romanian yeah. sentences, which I, of course, I hadn't thought about. In fact, it's very similar to French. So that yeah. was, that was useful. Um, but I had to stop her sounding too Russian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless, bless. Oh, that's lovely. I but, mean, but I think in terms of what dogs teach us, I think, um, Lainey's got a huge sense of humor. Yeah. And and she loves learning. She absolutely loves it. I think most dogs do actually, but but she loves it. And she never stops trying. And she 
she's had sort of some pretty horrible things to ha- happen to her in the past, but yeah. she's not afraid to trust people, which I think is incredible. Yes. Given what oh, yes. Her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she doesn't give up, which is a good motto for any writer. Yeah, <laughs> De- definitely writing, but definitely life. I mean, I think <laughs> the one thing that really, you know, I admire about dogs, and it's a natural ability. I know that. and But it's like be in the moment. I'm a terrible warrior. Yeah. I'm a real worrier. Yeah. You know, what if this? What if that? What if this? I can be worrying, really obsessively worrying about things that like five da- five years down the line, maybe, you know? And and I just think, how much time am I wasting just worrying, <laughs> you know? And I should just think, do you know what? Today, right now, and I've actually started to do that. And I sort of talk to myself very sternly. I go, right, can you cope with right now? today yes right get on with right now today and to worry about tomorrow tomorrow because there were times when I was like ruining today worrying yeah, about yeah you what, can can't you yeah yeah and it might never happen so yeah I think dogs teach us so much about that definitely yeah yeah bless them but it's, they both both of yours Marl and um Lainey sound fantastic I mean maybe maybe it's that you give them the space to to let their personality out yes quite possibly um and and yeah that definitely their characters came out as I started writing about them yes um and I I sort of I felt I got a lot closer to Lainey because I suppose I understood her better because I was um sort of looking at the way she thinks yeah um but also you know she's very funny as well yes yeah I love that. I mean, my Labrador had a great sense of humour, but I think some people look at you a bit like, "What? What's the matter with you? Dogs have a sense of humour, but some of them do. Of they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was fantastic. <laughs> he was. Oh, and actually, we thinking back, we had a German Shepherd years ago um, who had a sense of humour, and what I mean by that is, and I was sort of oh nineteen at the time, so I mean it was years and years and years ago. Yeah, um, but. My the, and Mr. Dogcast, before he was Mr. Dogcast, when I just wanted him to, to to be going out with me, came to to our house with a group of friends, and he, I didn't know he was frightened of dogs and particularly frightened of German shepherds. And <laughs> and Ben came into the room, and Mr. Dogcast to be jumped up yeah. onto the onto the armchair out of the way. I didn't really understand what was going on, and I was very young. And 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 Ben came over and sort of sniffed and just sort of nibbled, just took his shoelaces in his mouth, didn't not not aggressively at all. But just, <laughs> and, and Mr. Dorcasterby was terrified, really, really. It was like, oh my goodness! So I sort of come on, Ben, let's go. But and I thought that was a bit of a sense of humour from a serious dog, you know? Yeah. <laughs> nice touch, subtle, you know. I'll just eat your shoelaces. <laughs> yeah, but it could have been better. He said it wasn't his his toes. Yes. Yeah, they got to know each other better and they did come to love each other. But um, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, but yes, I, I love a dog with a sense of humour. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And and I mean, de- definitely that thing of second chances because humans are often kind of, right, I've, that's it, I've, I'm done with you or I'm done with this or, I've, you know, I've had enough of that. Or sometimes it's out of our control completely. But dogs are very resilient and very forgiving, aren't they? Well, Lainey certainly is. Uh, Mole wasn't very forgiving, actually, but yeah. <laughs> but but Lainey certainly is. Oh, <laughs> but then again, you see, I think as long as you know your dog, and you know 
this is a trigger, that's a trigger, or, you know, they don't like this situation. Again, they have to have the space to express that, to to be able to say, I don't want to do that, you know. Um, I think that's where some of the problems come from. I'm awful for going up to people and saying, can I say hello to the dog? And clearly then some of the dogs are going, I don't want to meet you, actually. You're a stranger. And the and the owner's going, come on, come on, come on. And, try, and I'm thinking, don't force them. I think maybe that's some of the problem. Not all of the problem, obviously, but sometimes the problem is the owner is going, do this, do this, do this. You're know, trying to squish them into that that situation. And it doesn't suit them. Yeah, I mean, certainly having had a having a reactive dog, there's no way I'd do that to another dog because yes. I know Lainey doesn't like it. Yeah. And she yeah. doesn't like it if people get too near her. She doesn't like people holding their hands out. She doesn't yeah. like that. Yeah. And she doesn't like people um, if you try and kiss her on the nose or something. Yeah. You yeah. know, she hates that. And um, she, uh, I've got a friend who kept saying, oh, well, you know, you should train her to like it. And I said, no, you know, you, yes. there are things you don't like. Have some respect. She yes. doesn't like it either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've all got things we don't like doing. We, Absolutely. We don't, shouldn't be made to do them just because someone else wants us to do them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, apart from that, as, as I understand it, I'm not a behaviourist only, but as I understand it, you can reinforce a behaviour, but not an emotion. So, you know, when you when they, they used to say you can't comfort your dog. Now they say you can comfort your dog because you can you can reinforce a behavior, but not an emotion. So you're not actually making them think, oh, I'll, I'll keep feeling sad. It's just that you're teaching them you can come to me for help and I will provide that help. So you can't teach them to you can accustom them to something, but you can't teach them to actually enjoy something, can you? No, no I don't think you can do that with humans either. I no, mean, if. No. If you've got a reactive dog and that you know what, say, the trigger is they don't like, I don't know, Labradors or something, then, you know, why why should you subject them every day to going near Labradors when they really don't like them? Yeah. You know, well, yeah. if, we, if we don't like people, we've got the choice to avoid them. Yeah. But, you know, dogs don't. I think it's just having a bit of respect for the dogs. Yes, definitely. And what's in it for the dog? That's what I always think, you know. Well, exactly. It's some behaviours you know what's in it for you, but what's in it for the dog? Um, and if it's just all for you, did we really need to teach it? Anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I, I do like this approach of writing from the dog's point of view, because anything that puts us in the dog's head, whether we're reading or writing, that makes us try and think from the dog's point of view is going to make the dog happier and hopefully make life a bit better for them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I certainly hope so. Yeah, I think so. Because once you start thinking from their point of view, I mean, for example, you know, Christmas or parties or, you know, great for us, but it's blooming confusing, confusing for a dog with all the coming and going and excitement and, and emotions and smells. And, you know, it's it, it's no wonder that the things, some of the things we love sort of can be quite quite trying for them. Well, absolutely. To say nothing of a lot of rich food it could make them very ill. <laughs> yes. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. OK. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say about your dogs or your books? Um, I don't think so. No, I, oh, I think you wanted my links. My website is www.suekitto. That's mm-hmm. S-U-E-K-I-T-T-O-W dot com. Um, Instagram, I'm walks underscore Cornish underscore writer. 
Mm-hmm. X or Twitter, whatever. It's yeah, whatever, whatever it, whatever you want to call it. It's at Flowering Pot. Smashing. And Facebook, if you look under Sukito. Smashing. And um, if people want an ebook, then um, if they look on Amazon for The Rescue by S.L. Rose Warren. Otherwise, signed copies are available through my website. Great. Excellent. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, plenty of ways to find you there. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Lainey's Tale will be available for, for pre-order very soon. Excellent. And it will be for sale at the end of November. Just in time for Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> Get your Christmas presents in now. Yes, definitely. Exactly. That's the idea. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Good timing. Good timing. Yeah. Well, thank you ever so much. And uh, the best lady's been very well behaved and very quiet for us today. She's lying in her crate at the moment, fast asleep. What a good apart, girl. Apart from a quick sojourn to the kitchen to see what was happening, but evidently not not enough to be of interest. <laughs> oh, bless. Well, say thank you to her from a, from a distance. Just say thank you to her from me. <laughs> I love how our dogs often support not only our lives, but our work too. We have all the links Sue mentioned on the Dogcast Radio site. And all today's guests have very interesting active social media feeds, which I can heartily recommend. We've come to the end of another podcast. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. Which dog breed gives the best massage? A Shiatsu.